0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode three of Field Stormers. I am your host, Mo Murphy, also the host of the Upper Flames podcast and the VP of the Off the Ball Network. And with me, I got my co-host, my guy, Walker Bailey, kind of the head of, of, of Off the Ball Network bets, one of the co-hosts of Bets on Bets on Bets every Sunday. Does a lot of things in the betting aspect, and obviously the guy um, that I felt no, other be- no better way to do this show with um, talking college football than a guy who's probably just as invested, if not more invested than me overall in college football. What's going on, Walker?
1: Not much. Getting ready for another Saturday, kind of like I told Jeff last night, Like, kind of gearing up. I'll be at Ole Miss Auburn on Saturday at 11 a.m. So like, that's one of the unfortunate parts about having home games is uh, I'll miss a lot of action on Saturday morning. But that doesn't mean we can talk about it on Wednesday night. So,
0: Yeah, 100%. So we'll go back and just kind of i mean our week 6 starts but like we're basically halfway through the season right like everybody um has most everybody has played 6 weeks or 6 games and 6 and 0 i mean there's a few 5 and 0 teams and teams that have played but we're pretty much halfway through the season By weeks are coming up obviously my team ohio state has a bye week this week um so with week 6 I think week six wasn't as telling as everybody thought it would be. Like, there were some really good games, and we have some value on some teams. Um, But just being midway through the season, what is, like, your biggest takeaway so far? Like, we're halfway through the college football season. The Heisman race is picking up, um, and I'm not sure it's picking up much. I think it's just getting more distant at this point. But we're starting to see who's contenders and pretenders. And then, obviously, what we're about to get into – There's about four or five, really three. There's four games for sure that we're going to touch on that are college football playoff knockout games, essentially, for every one of these teams. Uh, But week six thoughts is just kind of midway point through the season. Where are you with with this year's football season?
1: I just kind of continue to be surprised week by week at how much I enjoy the Big 12 this year and how the storylines are just so, like, there's not a bad team. Like there's zero bad teams except maybe Oklahoma, which if you, had, if I had told you, Hey man, like every team in the big Twelve is going to be good except Oklahoma before the season starts. Then it would be like, I mean, everybody would have been like, nah, you're just, you're full of shit. And so I've, I've the, I've enjoyed the, uh, the chaos, just the round Robin uh, chaos amongst the, amongst the big 12. And like, we got more of it Saturday, like Texas just absolutely drilled Oklahoma. And like, They're one of the teams that have suffered from the worst luck all year because Ewers gets hurt, and if he doesn't, they're probably six and zero, and they're probably a playoff team. Like if we're being completely honest, Mm -hmm. but with two losses, something unprecedented would have to happen for them to make the playoffs. And Quinn Ewers is probably a Heisman contender if they're six and zero and on course for the playoffs. Like those, those are all things that are factors there. And then you've got, you know, my. Gundy at Oklahoma state who's won 18 of his last 20 football games as a head coach there going. And I think they beat, I don't remember who they, I think they beat Texas tech in a shootout, uh, on Saturday. And mm-hmm. like they get TCU this weekend who just went and kind of broke the glass slipper in Lawrence, uh, by beating Kansas, you know, now Jalen Daniels is injured. Allegedly. He says he's not. The reporters say he is. So it's probably somewhere in between. Um, You know, it's just – it's been a conference full of storylines. And, you know, Oklahoma is its own storyline. Like, is the Brent Venables thing just not going to work? Like, is it going to just be a complete and utter failure? I mean, like, there's just been so much to talk about in that conference, more than any other conference, in my opinion, just because with the Big Ten, you've got Ohio State and Michigan, and after that, you're just kind of like, eh, like, there's some good – there's some decent to good teams, but, like, there's nothing there that's impacting the national landscape. The SEC, you've got – you've got – a good bit of stuff. I mean, you've got Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, Tennessee, all impact national landscape, potentially to be state, but it's just not to the level. I think that the big 12 has been so far this year. I'm not saying the big 12 is the best conference from top to bottom. I'm just saying that I think it's been the most interesting to watch.
0: Yeah. I mean, everything has been close within the big 12. I mean, you say like, you know, uh, Oklahoma has been bad. And like you said, if we go into the season and tell you Oklahoma is going to be bad and one of the worst teams, in that conference, we're crazy, right? Like Brent Venables is going to be the perfect coach for Oklahoma. They didn't lose a lot of recruits. Um, they did lose what Mario Williams and, and Caleb uh, and Caleb Williams. So they lost some players. But at the same time, like you thought it would be you didn't think it'd be like this. I mean, they were three and zero, hot, hot enough for Colin Coward to come out and say they look like the second best team in the country just to crash and burn three weeks in a row. I mean, they took a bad loss by TCU, turn around and get smacked in the Red River rivalry um, by Texas, and that's not ever the expectation for Oklahoma, especially with the success they've had within the conference the past five, six, seven years, however far you want to go back. Like, they've been the more dominant team so far um, in recent memory, especially in the playoff era um, coming out of the Big 12. So you said something about the Big 10. So that leads us into the first and probably most important matchup of the 11 o'clock slate, or 11 o'clock for us because we're on Central Time, For everybody, you know, wondering why we say 11 o'clock. But the 12 p.m. Eastern slate, this is probably the biggest game for 12 o'clock. I won't say it's going to be the most exciting game, but implications start at kickoff when Penn State kicks off at Ann Auburn and arbor against michigan like the playoff implications start now on this slate of games where there are playoff implications everywhere for every matchup that we're going to cover so with penn state michigan it kind of seems like it's ohio state michigan and everybody else but i think this is an opportunity where penn state really gets to show that they're for real i think we started taking them serious i know arbor is not a good team but for Penn State to go into Auburn and beat the living daylight out of them and completely dominate, I think that's when we're like, okay, Penn State's probably pretty good, especially for a team that we didn't expect Penn State to really be great this year. And I'm not saying they're great and they could win the national championship, but at the same time, they've been one of the more impressive teams. And, th- and this is a, a conference game, a rivalry. It's not a huge rivalry. It's Ohio State, Michigan, Florida, Florida State, have you a look at it. But this is a rivalry, and when these two teams – are at their best, which is what you're going to get coming Saturday. I think this is a huge matchup, but like I said, this is the first, like this is the initial kickoff of like playoff eliminators and the loser this game could still has a shot, but you kind of eliminate them from playoff contention because you kind of see either team that loses, you see another loss on their schedule because they both after this game do play Ohio state and me, personally, I don't think either team beats Ohio State. Um, so I think either team, if Penn State loses, I think you see another loss on their schedule with Ohio State. And same with Michigan. If Michigan loses this game, I think you probably say if they can't beat Penn State, I don't know if they can beat Ohio State and Ohio State's at home. So I think this is a playoff eliminator. What, what, what do you think about this matchup? Because this, for the Big Ten, this is big time that they are able to play at college football noon kickoff on Fox – while Ohio State is on a bye week this is a huge deal that the big 10 gets a premier game like this on such a premier saturday and it doesn't include ohio state
1: yeah i mean i think i mean i think it's interesting on a lot of levels like i i mean i like michigan i think michigan wins and maybe potentially wins by like two scores just because i think i think that penn state lacks the quarterback play to go on the road and take down a team like this I think that if they're going to beat a team of super caliber, it's probably going to happen in happy Valley where they have the home atmosphere, where they're going to play better, which, you know, we'll get that in a few weeks. Cause I think they're going to give Ohio state some issues. I don't think I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm just saying, I think it's going to be a, I think it'll be a really tough game for Ohio state to go in there and win. Um, but I do just think that Michigan's kind of coming off a sloppy first half, better second half against Indiana. I kind of wonder if we just get their best effort back at the big house from uh, Harbaugh getting them ready. You know, we made all the Harbaugh jokes for years, but all jokes aside, like he's kind of got that thing up and running now. Like, I mean, they're humming, like they're winning a bunch of games. They may lose Ohio State. They may miss the playoff. But for a while now, Harbaugh has been absolutely humming at Michigan. And so I I just, I've gotten to the point where I can trust him. And I don't trust James Franklin and I don't trust Sean Clifford. So I kind of, I kind of think Michigan, makes a statement, makes an announcement and kind of is like, all right, like, you know, we're reproving that we're for real. We proved to you last year that we had to be able to compete and go to the playoff and do all these things. And now everybody's been critical of their schedule, critical of them for not playing against inferior opponents. And so I think this maybe is the type of game where they've been sleepwalking all year, but it's not hard to get up for this one. They'll sell out the big house. It'll be an electric atmosphere at 11 a.m. and they've got, you know a historic brand name program coming in it's their opportunity to make a statement and i just i kind of think that they will
0: yeah i mean i kind of agree with you i think this is and i think it could be like if they lose by two touchdowns and they're never in the game i think it could be demoralizing for penn state moving forward now penn state always gives you know and it's just in my nature penn state always give ohio state a good game like it doesn't matter where Penn State's at. That's always a tough game. And then going on the road to Penn State. So that will be something to look forward to. But I think it could change the outlook on the game. Now, granted, I know you're somebody who would like love to see Penn State get blown out. So then the line will be so heavy when Ohio State plays Penn State that you could jump on Penn State plus 24.5 or whatever it may be because we all know those tend to be close games. But I think it could be demoralizing for Penn State and kind of the real, like, this is this is the game for both teams to really see where we're at on the national scale. Like, yes, Michigan has had an easy schedule, but at the end of the day, they keep winning. Penn State hasn't had the toughest schedule, but at the end of the day, they keep winning. And so now this is a measurement of not only how you look for the rest of the season in your conference, but these are two, like, Michigan is a potential playoff contender. So can Penn State look like they can knock off somebody that we could see in a world where... They make the playoffs again after going to the playoffs last year and the big the the reigning big 10 champs and then with michigan it's like okay we're knocking you about your you know your soft schedule or whatever but here's michigan's opportunity to pr- to prove like okay yeah we've played down to our competition because we know we're just going to step out on the field and win but watch us work when we put some quality opponents in front of us so i think it's an opportunity for both teams to make a statement but i probably would more lean that michigan is the team that makes this statement um, and comes out with the W, just because I mean it's in in it home in Ann Arbor, like bro, that's tough. Like that's gonna be tough for Penn State, and I think Penn State is not as good as Michigan as well. So when you're probably the the inferior team, and you got to go on the road and get it done, and we're probably talking about a better coach at Harbaugh uh, over James Franklin, probably a better quarterback. That ain't no probably JJ McCarthy. Um, to me is a better quarterback than Sean Clifford. Uh, I, I, he's proven it at this point. I ain't got no questions as far as that kind of statement. Um, you know, they have the talent everywhere. They're probably outside. They got the better running back. Even though Penn state has a hell of a running back. Like Michigan has the more talent at all levels in the trenches on the outside, the skill level position. So I just, it'd be tough. Yes. I would love Michigan to lose just because I would love Michigan to lose. I have, I hate Michigan more than I hate Penn state. Um, but I would also hate for the game to mean less or it more looked at as Michigan has to win to ruin our season and maybe find a way to get in and be big Ten champs. I'd rather that be mano, y mano undefeated you know number two versus number four or whatever it may be um so I, I'm gonna take Michigan to win I think I think they win by 14 to 17. I think they there's a point in time I think it's close because of the atmosphere I think Penn State's gonna get up for this game. But a, a lot of times, especially in college, I think talent prevails and, like, you can hold on, hold on. But, you know, it's like we'll watch it and you'll know, like, the moment's coming. Like, you and me are probably going to talk while this game is going. And I'm like, the moment's coming. Like, Michigan has made dug themselves in a hole to where Penn State's still losing by a touchdown and that strike is going to come, whether it's Blake Corum. For a 65 yard run for a touchdown or JJ McCarthy making an amazing pass. Like that play is gonna come where you're like Penn State stayed within striking distance until that play happened midway through the third quarter, and Michigan never looks back from there. Kind of the same way with like the way they beat Indiana, like sloppy first yeah. half, still were winning, and then it was just waiting for that play to come and it came from Blake Coram, and then they pulled away from Indiana and was able to get the win. Yes, Penn State is better than Indiana, so I don't think they'll 31 to 10, but. At the same time, I think Michigan will just be like, even though it's close, if you've been watching the game, it's not as close. We're just waiting on Michigan to have that Blake breakthrough play, and it'll probably come from Blake Corm to be honest, who I've made an argument for. Could be the best running back in the country, but we're not going to get into that. We're going to move on to the 2.30. Well, 3.30, but listen, we on Central Time, so me and him are on the same page. We're going to move on to 2.30. So the Penn State-Michigan game is over. Hopefully, it's a great game. The hype is going in. Uh, college game day did got you ready. You just seen the atmosphere in Knoxville at this point, and you understand this is the biggest game in Knoxville in years, like years, like probably 15 to 20 years. This is the biggest game that has been played in Knoxville in probably 15 to 20 years. And for some substance, Nick Saban is 15 and 0 against Tennessee. Tennessee has never beat Alabama in the Nick Saban era. Every time they beat the they they beat the hammer on a stat like that, that's where I start to be like, ah, it's bound to happen though. Like something's bound to happen. I know how you feel about this game, so I'm going to get my thoughts first. Um bro, I think this is a spot for Tennessee to win. I don't <laughs> Bryce Young is not playing fully healthy. I don't I know he's playing. He will not be 100%. I, I we you know that I know that that is a fact. He has a AC sprained AC joint. He will not be playing 100% healthy. He could be one wrong hit, one bad angle of a throw from really throwing out that shoulder and really not being able to 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 go and they have to turn to the backup quarterback. Their defense gave up to me, Haynes King looked really well last week against their defense. Like for a Haynes King performance at AM, he looked well against their defense. If that defense shows up this week, Hendon Hooker is going to have a field date. I promise. That I will guarantee. If they don't tighten up, Will Anderson look like a monster, though. I will say that. He, he individually was the best player on the field that day. But if that defense shows up the way they did, if Haynes King is picking apart Them at times, Hendon Hooker will have a field day, and he will stamp where he'll probably rise to second in the odds for Heisman if he's able to pick apart Bama and win this game. He'll be right behind C.J. Stroud for Heisman. Do I think he has that kind of game? I think it's going to take that kind of game for them to win, but Tennessee's offense is amazing, and I know LSU's offense is not Bama's offense, but what Tennessee did show me is that they could get down a little bit in the trenches, and they could play a little bit of defense. Their defense isn't as awful as we thought it was going into the season, as awful as we kind of thought it was up to this point, like I think they could get up for big games. They did against LSU. I know Jaden Daniels is not, you know, he's not Bryce Young. I understand that, but we're also not getting 100 percent Bryce Young. so i'm I'm a rock with the family. I'm a rock with everybody I've talked to. And I'm bleeding orange this weekend. Go Vols. Tennessee beats Alabama in a, in a nice shootout. 41-37. to 37. I'm going Tennessee over Bama. I got to do it. I'm sticking my neck out. I'm bleeding orange with the family this weekend. Go Vols. Walker, what are your thoughts on Bama versus Tennessee, which probably is the biggest game of the day as far as excitement and everything like I'm excited for this like I'm like this is my team this is the biggest game this is the premier matchup for me on Saturday
1: yeah I mean we we don't agree on this like I it's not and it's not a Tennessee thing like it's not that I don't think they're good. I just think that a lot of times when we build up these spots against Alabama and like it feels almost like everybody's traveling to uh to Knoxville for a coronation. did you ever watch WWE as a kid? Yeah, I did. So it's like one of these matches where this guy that you really don't like, and I I stole this from somebody, so I'm not going to claim it as my own, but it's like one of those matches that you really or the champion. You really don't like, and everybody builds up this coronation and you're ready for this guy to take the belt. And then they actually fight the match. The guy you don't like just beats the piss out of the other guy. And it just doesn't work out. Like, it does feel like that a little bit. Like, I stole that from another podcast this morning, but when I listened to it, I was like, yeah, like, no, actually, like, I agree. And I've been saying that, but that analogy was the perfect way to put it. And so I just think, and, you know, I was looking today, I was like, you know, it feels like everybody thinks Tennessee is going to win. So I went and kind of was like, all right, you know, where are people actually putting their money? And like 96% of public dollars have been bet on the sea. And just I feel like all of this stuff is just people like like Sabin's going to kind of like – I feel like it's one of those spots where Saban builds it up and it was like they don't get to play the underdog role at all. Never, ever. Mm-hmm. They're going to get to play it to an extent this weekend, and usually when they have that chip on their shoulder and they get that level of motivation, they remind you who they are. And it's like you've got to come through us in order to go – you know, go to the playoff, go do whatever else you want to do. Like, you've got to come through us. So that's why I'm kind of like, I think like this is one of those games where Alabama wins, you know, you know, 38 to 21. And he just kind of walks off the field with like a smug grin and is like, yeah, this is, this was y'all's King. Like this is the guy that was supposed to be this. And I'm victim of it too. I did the same thing with Ole Miss last year. Like I was fully prepared. Hell, I drove to Tuscaloosa. Like, I was fully prepared to walk in there, beat them. Everyone else was with me. Oh, yeah, like this is it. Like they've got the quarterback. They got the dude who's going to contend for the Heisman. It's like almost just uncanny as to the similarities. The only difference is they're playing in Knoxville, which is a big difference. But And I drove over there, and it was 28 to nothing in the second quarter. And I was just like, well, maybe next year. And so that's why I'm kind of like with Tennessee – You know, I think they're a really good team. There's a lot ahead, but, like, their ascension as a program has been so fast. You know, nobody really talks about the fact that they're actually horrible on defense. Like, they don't play any defense. And so, I don't – I think Alabama is going to be able to score. Like, I think they're going to be able to run the football. And if Saban can control, just get in there and run the football. And even if Bryce is not fully healthy, if he can give you 75% of what Bryce Young usually gives you, I think it's enough in this one. Um, You know, I think Alabama wins by 10 to 14, takes care of business. I told Jeff this last night. I think Alabama is gettable. Like, I think they're absolutely gettable. They proved that Saturday, even with Bryce Young not on the field. Like, But, I mean, they've looked bad with Bryce on the field at times too. Like, I think they're gettable. But I think that if they're going to get got, you can't build up. Like, I think it's going to be a game that we don't build up. All the coaches are going to say the right things like Tennessee's athletic director has already ordered new goalposts. You can't do that. Like you can't do that and then go and take on the King and expect to win. You just can't. You're putting bulletin board material all over the bulletin board for a team that is decidedly more talented than you. And so just the way the week has gone, I expect Alabama to make a statement. You know, I think if Alabama drops one, you know, I don't know where it would be, but it'll be where, you know, the coaches in the program say the right things. They kind of just go into the game and they admire Alabama publicly and Alabama comes out a little sleepy. This is not that spot. Like, I mean, Tennessee, I think Tennessee genuinely believes they're the better football team than Alabama going into this game. I think their fans believe it. I think their athletic department believes it. I think even some of the national media covering this game believe it. And I think when that's the case, Alabama tends to remind everybody that they're king. And so that's what I'm rocking with this week. Maybe that makes me just kind of a Debbie Downer or something, but that's kind of where I lean this week.
0: Yeah, I'm going. I'm just going with Tennessee. I'm going with the fam. Uh, You know, my mom wants to see this game. Like, this is a big game, bro. This is one of the biggest games for Tennessee of, like, my lifetime. Like, this is a huge deal for them, and – this could be one of those that gets let down and you you come back to reality just as far as you rose, you you fall. Um, but I'm going Tennessee, bro. I, I just I, I think Bama can be got and they can play the underdog role all they want. I just think I think this is a nice spot for Tennessee. Take advantage while Bryce Young isn't 100 percent If you hit him the right way, he falls, he's out of the game. Now the whole game plan changes because they're going to game plan. I know Nick Saban is you know what, the greatest college football coach of all time, and he's prepared for everything. But I think, you know, when you got to alter the game plan a little bit, like, I'm not sure that Saban will have a sound enough game plan to handle Tennessee if Tennessee punches them in the mouth and Bryce Young were to go down. I don't think the game plan will be sound enough, and I think it would be panic. And I think they could panic if Tennessee punches them in the mouth right away. If I'm Tennessee and I win the coin toss, I want the ball. I, I want the ball. Yeah. I'm going to punch at home i am going to try to go up 7 to 0 at home i'm going to make Neyland stadium erupt and i'm going to say and i'm going to look at that sideline like how you coming cuz if you don't if you don't come back right away we coming again and we up 14 0 like and i'm not saying they blow out alabama i'm just saying they punch them in the mouth get them kind of panicking a little bit Bama will come back, make it a tight game. Now it's a shootout, and but I just think if if Tennessee has an opportunity to punch them in the mouth in Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee, and get everybody up, how do you respond to that? And and we'll see what Bama is really made of because I think that's I think that's Tennessee's key to victory is you got to the punch only, them in the mouth, first and it won't be defensively.
1: The only downside to that, that is if you take the ball and then you don't score. Because if that's the case and Alabama comes back down and scores and you took the ball and you're 7 nothing, the air is out of that place so quick. And I'm not saying don't take the ball. I'm just saying, like, you've got to – yeah, Tennessee's got to start fast. And if they don't start fast, that's where, like, if the air gets let out of that building and it just becomes a football game, like Alabama doesn't have to go silent count, like Tennessee's fans are kind of out of it, to wrap. It's over right then and there. Like, the atmosphere yeah, just,
0: has to you carry. punch in the mouth.
1: Yeah, the atmosphere has to carry some early, and then again late. If you're still in the game, you have to, you have to make life really hard on Alabama, and that's like something we've seen when Alabama's lost. Like, I mean, Kyle Field made life for Alabama really, really hard last year when Alabama lost in the 14 and 15 to Ole Miss. Like, I mean, Ole Miss made their lives hell here. They made it really, really difficult. Now, different story when Ole Miss beat them in Tuscaloosa. They beat them, but you know when they've lost in Death Valley. Death Valley is a raucous place to play. They make their life hard kneeling and kneeling. I'm not worried about kneeling being raucous. like I watched them throw golf balls and mustard bottles on the field last year. So I, they'll be all right.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, I think you, you got to go to punch them in the mouth. So at the same time, this game's going on. Your beloved big 12 yeah. is going to have another playoff implication game. You're going to have a lot riding on this based on one of your future bets. So I'll yeah. let you rock first. Oklahoma state versus TCU. Take it away. Yeah.
1: I've got the frogs. I've got the frogs. Um, you know, I, it's funny. Cause like, we don't give it, we don't give Gundy the benefit of the doubt ever. And I've kind of like publicly been like, yeah, maybe we should give them the more ben- like more of the benefit of the doubt. And now I'm kind of like, all right, I think they're going to lose this game. So kind of contradicting myself here, but I just think I like what TCU has got. Um, I think late in that game after Daniels got hurt, they kind of knew that they were going to be able to put it away when they had to, and they did. They put it away, didn't really have to try super hard to put it away on that last drive. Um, And a tough place to play now with Kansas selling out games. So I think they come home. Fort Worth's a difficult place to play. Ask Oklahoma how that went for them. Um, I I think TCU gets up for this one. They've got a veteran quarterback that has been a lot more aggressive this year which has made their offense a lot more explosive. And I think they've got the head coach to do it. I'm not sure that I think Oklahoma State's super strong defensively. I think the Knowles loss hurt them a lot more than we've probably talked about because they won every game. But, I mean, Texas Tech started a kid last week in his first career game, and he shredded them. And even then, he got hurt in game, and they still scored 31 points. So when you give me the offensive talent and the quarterback and the coach at TCU at home, uh, I mean, I think TCU is going to be able to get into the mid thirties, low forties here in terms of points. And if you're giving me that number, then I think they're going to win. And I think too, in these big games, I think Spencer Sanders is a good quarterback, but he kind of gets into, he's kind of a quarterback that has shown us over the years. When push comes to shove, there's a big moment. He's not immune to throwing the big interception that completely turns a game. And is up costing and you know costing his team a game whether it's all on that or not i don't know but i do think that i just i trust tcu more i trust their quarterback more i don't trust their coach more but i trust his offensive system a lot um i like tcu here i told jeff last night i think what we're turning towards i think we're going to get texas undefeated with quinn Ewers, which will make it into and i think tcu is going to roll into uh into austin undefeated and so i think we'll get tcu as like the number six team in the country against texas like the number 10 team in the country and they'll play in austin sometime close in november with probably not we'll play off implications for tcu but um big implications and i think we'll get a rematch of it in the big 12 title game i think that's where we're headed i don't know if tcu can beat them either time to be honest but I do. TCU is easily a top two team in the conference. So I'm rocking with them at home here.
0: Yeah, I'm a rock with you. I'm taking TCU. Uh, If this was at Oklahoma State, I probably would feel a little bit different because I think Spencer Sanders in a big moment would be able to lean into the home crowd and knowing that the the pressure isn't as high, right? Like when you got to make the play on the road. And if you do make the mistake on second down and got to turn around and put yourself at second and eight and you go to make the throw and you can't make it and you put yourself at third and eight, you know, in a possible closeout series uh, where if you give TCU back the ball, uh, they win this game. It's, it's a lot bigger when you're on the road and and TCU stands up for that moment and puts it another incomplete pass, fourth and eight. Now you got to make the play of all plays. Just to keep the drive alive, to keep moving down the field, I think it's going to be tough for him. Um, I, I don't think as good as he's been this year, I don't know if he's cut from that cloth in this type of moment for what this implies. I mean, this is a huge game. If Oklahoma State wins this, they're in the driver's seat in the Big 12 moving forward to possibly go undefeated, win the Big 12, and be in playoff contention. TCU, same thing. Like if they win this game, They're in the driver's seat to be the undefeated Big 12 champions. Do they do it? I don't know. Plenty of season left, but they take control. I mean, the winner of this game takes control to control their own destiny, and that's when a team can get dangerous. When you know you control your own destiny, you're in the driver's seat. You don't look ahead each week. You just know, hey, week by week, we control our destiny. We can change the narrative here and and put ourselves in this playoff conversation. Um, But I think TCU is the team to do that this week and kind of take control of the we're Big Twelve, and I'm rock right with you. I, I want you to win some money. Your, your, your future, TCU, win the Big Twelve bet. I want to see it hit, so I'm, I'm rocking with you. We're fixing to, we're fixing to find out a whole lot about these teams, both of
1: them, in the next two weeks. They play each other this week. Oklahoma State goes home and plays Texas next week, and TCU is at home again and plays Kansas State next week. Like we're fixing to find out a whole lot. We're fixing like. Like we want to know if these two teams are for real. We're fixing to find out. I think TCU goes two and zero in that stretch, and then we and we start talking about them. I think Oklahoma State probably goes zero and two in that stretch, and we're they're probably gone, and we're not talking about them anymore. But we'll see. Like Oklahoma State does get Texas at home next week, so you know I've never been to Stillwater. The stories I've heard about that home field atmosphere are pretty crazy. Like I've heard it's a really really hard place to play. Um So. We'll see, but we're fixing to find out a lot this week. I just think this spot for me is where TCU's offense stands on its head. Has the game of all games, has their best game of the year, and they they put up a ton of points and they find a way to win. For me, that's that's what I think is going to happen. Um, you know, and if Duggan can protect the ball, then I, I think they stand on their head offensively. And what they do defensively at that at that point does not matter because I think they're going to score so much that it won't matter.
0: Well, I'm rocking with you, so now we're moving on. I hope I'm right. (laughs) Yeah, so now we're moving on. It's Saturday night. There's a few games on, but this is probably the biggest game of Saturday night. We're moving out west. 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 o'clock our time. Kickoff. The night's winding down. Enough drinks are in us. We're ready to watch this game. The Saturday is lived into the hype, and Utah plays USC. USC is undefeated. USC is a playoff contender. USC is underdogs going into this game. There are a lot of people that don't expect USC to win this game. I am one of them. I think the way Utah plays football does not sit well with how USC in their struggles. I think Utah's strengths are USC's struggles. USC is bound to not create turnovers at some point. And I think the minute they do that, their defense is not what it's been. It's it's very similar to like, and I I hate to use it, but it's very similar to the Dallas Cowboys last year, right? Like they were creating turnovers all, all the time. They go 12 and five. They win the division. They go to the playoffs. They're not able to create turnovers, and it's not the same team again. And you lose, yeah, they lost to the 49ers, right? But like, that analogy of like the minute Trayvon Diggs wasn't able to take turnovers, like I'm looking at USC's defense for, of of the Cowboys' defense of last year. Like it's all great when you're taking away the ball and giving your offense every opportunity to be successful. And they have an explosive offense. They got Mario Williams. They got Caleb Williams. They got Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison. They have all the weapons to to make it happen. But they're going on the road. They're playing at Utah. They're underdogs in this game for a reason, and I think it's because Vegas realizes one, probably a lot of the money is going to be on USC. I mean, they're undefeated. How are they underdogs in this game? But if you really been watching, like what Utah does well has been the kryptonite for USC. They just haven't played a team close to as talented as them. And I, Utah has two losses. I understand it. They coughed one up against a team, UCLA, who might just be better than we thought. And then they had to travel, you know, you kind of called the travel into the swamp. It's going to be tough for them. So, and Anthony Richardson played out of his mind in that game at the beginning of the season, but UCLA just might be legit. Like, we don't know yet, but, I mean, the way they played against Utah, like, hey, we got to take them a little serious. Like, I don't know about national title contenders, but they're a good team. They're they're in a really good spot. They could beat USC later on in the season for rivalry week. Like, that's not out of the question from what we've seen from UCLA up to this point. So, when I watch Utah, I just think their strengths – are USC's weaknesses, and I know Utah plays defense. They play gritty. I think they can control the clock. I think they can keep the ball out of Caleb Williams' hands and make Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams maximize every time they touch the ball. And against a defense like Utah, I think that's going to be tough when you have that kind of pressure of knowing that every possession that we have matters matters. And once you make that mistake, like, how do you bounce back? We haven't really seen USC have to really bounce back against a team that we thought could beat them. Like, yes, they played it tight against Oregon State, but they're they're better than Oregon State at the end of the day. You know, it took them a while to pull away from Washington State, but they're better than Washington State. They struggled for a little bit against Stanford, but they're better than Stanford. So we do that's those games. Talent prevails, we'll win this game. But now, like, are they a little more talented on offense? Yes, but they're going to be playing against a tough defense. I think Utah's quarterback and I think their running back can control enough of the clock to minimize USC's possessions. And if they don't capitalize on one or two of those possessions, I think that's where they lose this game. They find themselves down and we'll really have to see how you answer. And on the road being down seven to ten points, middle of the third quarter, knowing that this possession is absolutely important because you might not touch the ball for another seven to eight minutes. And if they get a field goal out of it and go up 10 or they get a touchdown out of it and go up 14, like now we got to score quickly, stop them and score quickly again. And I think that puts a lot of pressure that USC hasn't had to answer to yet. So I'm going Utah wins this game. What do you think about this matchup?
1: I I don't think Utah is going to beat them. I, I think they're probably going to drill them. Like I think it could be bad. Um. I And I and that's not a USC knock necessarily. I just think they're gonna line up and just run it straight at them. And you know, we talked about the turnovers. I've talked about it for weeks now about how you know, not only is USC creating just absurd amounts of turnovers against veteran players who know how to play football, they're like every bad throw Caleb Williams makes that can be intercepted is dropped. It's like just absurd runs of luck um that just are not sustainable over the course of a long season. Oregon state proved late in Corvallis that if you run straight at USC, if you just, if you run it at them, you can run the football on that team. And so I think when we're talking about the turnovers, I think not only can we, or I see we can Utah neutralize that. I'm basically a Utah fan, but, um, I think they can neutralize that by running the ball with Tavion Thomas and even mixing in stuff with Cameron Rising's legs. Uh you can't neutralize that altogether, but I think that you know you can do enough. You know, I think it's gonna be a shootout. I think there's gonna be a lot of points scored on both sides. I mean, we can't ignore just the raw amounts of talent that you that USC has has offensively like i mean it's very real travis die was a starting running back in oregon last year and now he's playing at usc caleb williams is a heisman contender for a legit reason jordan addison was you know won the bullet in the cough last year for a reason mario williams was at oklahoma like i mean this these are all very real things i do think utah can take advantage of them in the trenches um i don't think that usc is bad in the trenches i just think utah is better and so I think that coupled with home field advantage, I just think it's a horrendous matchup for USC. And so I'm ro- I'm gonna rock with Utah. I think it could be one of those where we it ends up like 48 to 30, or something like that, or 44 to 30. Um, I think it could be one of those where Utah wins by multiple scores, and USC's offense actually played pretty well, but they just couldn't get off the field. You know, maybe Utah finally is the team that comes up with a, you know, a plus a positive turnover differential against USC and they get some short fields. I don't know what the path is. I just think Utah is going to be able to score a ton of points. If you're giving me a coach, I trust a home field advantage, a quarterback I trust and a matchup advantage. It's a lot for me. Like I'm going to rock with that. Like, and you're telling me that I'm probably going to control both lines of scrimmage. I'm going to rock with that team 99% of the time, unless you have, and I don't know. No, just, yeah, I'm just, I'll rock with them every time. I'll take all those advantages on the Utah side. um, And that's where I'm kind of leaning with this one.
0: Yeah. So I'm right there with you. I think Utah, I don't know about like 48 to 30. um, That's a little hefty. I think it's a little bit closer than that. Um, I can see 41, 34, you know, 41, 33 kind of game where, Utah was able to pull away late and make USC answer, and they didn't answer the call. Uh, But I I definitely think Utah wins this game. Um, I think, you know, the two losses, UCLA is better than we think or or better than we thought up to this point. I think they had to prove that against Utah, and they did. Like, that was UCLA's spot to prove that they're for real, Um, and they did. And so, you know, and Utah did give one up going to the Swamp uh, in week one, but that was UCLA's spot to to prove that they're legit and they're probably legit, especially in the Pac-12, and so I mean this is USC spot to prove they're legit as well. I just think Utah could be like you know UCLA is probably the best team in the conference right now. Um, we're able to take advantage. We got this game at home, so I'm rocking with Utah. So Walker, before we close out, uh, just tell everybody where they can follow you in, in in any new stuff you got coming up.
1: Yeah, so it, you can follow me on Twitter at Walker Bailey eight one eight. Uh, I'm fixing to start firing back up the the old blog. Um, actually, working on one right now. I thought I was I was hoping it was gonna be done yesterday. It wasn't done yesterday. I wrote for probably an hour and just couldn't get all my thoughts on the page. So I'm not done with that, but I'm hoping to get done tonight as soon as we wrap here. Um, you know, you subscribe to the Substack for Field Stormers. We hadn't put anything up yet, but we're getting to it. It's coming around. Um, so make sure you check that out and check out everything else at BallNetwork.com which if you don't follow me on Twitter and subscribe to my Substack, I've now started sending all of my Substack stuff to the editors at off the ball network that you can also find it there. So uh, you'll be able to follow all of that stuff and more at off the ball So uh, thank you for listening and make sure you keep listening. Cause we've got a lot of good stuff uh, still going on.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is just the kickstart. We got plans um, and we got where we got enough connections to make this plan work. <clears throat> um to kind of turn into your number one spot for listening to college football uh year round too we're gonna keep this thing going postseason talk to some players we, we got we got the juice we gonna make it happen so i appreciate everybody for tuning and listening you can follow me at mo underscore cheese 15 on twitter at upper flames pod on instagram make sure you subscribe like walker said to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs and entertainment check out the great shows uh you know, basketball season is around the corner, so a lot of things about to pick up because we're going to be in hockey started, basketball starting. We're in the prime of college football season. We're heading towards, you know, we're through the first quarter of the NFL season, so things are just drastically picking up where you're going to have daily content from us over there at Off The Ball Network. So make sure you go follow Off The Ball Network at OTB underscore network on Twitter as well. Go follow at OTB bets. As well, for any of your betting things, we put out plays pretty much every day. I stay away from the midweek, but that'll pick back up once NBA season kicks off on October 18th. So I appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening. Subscribe to Phil Stormers Podcast. Substack.com. Check us out anywhere you get your podcast, Apple and Spotify. You can also listen on our Substack as well. Some articles will be coming out, some, some train of thought things, just some loose end writing just because just to put out some content and let you know what we're thinking. And on that note, we will catch you next week on another episode of field stormers.